think it's fairly simple. Uh, in my particular case, I see lots of opportunities uh, here. And um, uh, Ukraine is an emerging economy, and it's very vibrant, and it's changing very quickly. And this is a, a country where I can have an impact. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital, Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country, and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine, and thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine, top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland, top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom, top 30 in the Netherlands, top 25 on Apple Russia, and top 20 on Apple Poland. My guest today is Vasil Miroshnichenko from the Taras Shevchenko National University of Kiev to the London School of Economics and Political Science to be in a fundraising volunteer at the Ukrainian Catholic University from the Embassy of the United States to assisting at the Parliament of Canada to co-founding the European Youth Parliament in Ukraine to be in a fellow at the German Marshall Fund of the United States, to a partner at CFC Big Ideas, to co-founding the Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Vasil has over 15 years of experience helping international clients develop solid relationships with the stakeholders in the government, civil society, and local community in Ukraine. His company, CFC Big Ideas, focuses on designing and implementing public affairs, public relations, and crisis communication strategies. Vasil, how are you today? I'm fine. Uh, how are you? I'm great. Fantastic. Looking forward to this and been for a while. So to begin with some context, what is the story that made you the Vasil of today? Well, the story is very simple. It, it goes back to almost two years ago. Uh, I met my, my, my current business partners when I was still at the university. Uh, our managing partner is a little bit older than, than, than my other business partner in this business, but we have um, 
tried to develop an entrepreneur, tried to pursue an entrepreneurial track in what we were doing and, and started offering uh, our services um, as pretty much a recent graduates. And uh, we pitched our services to uh, corporations who were entering the Ukrainian market and we were offering them help with reaching out to the media in Ukraine, with actually doing their uh, public affairs work uh, in, in Kiev, etc. So it was it was uh, just generally an idea that we understood that we wanted to be in business, that we, you know, put our efforts and combine our efforts together to, together to set up, set up a consultancy. And ever since we've, we've, we've been we've been working on that and so far so good. We now have 30 people employed by the company. Uh, we have uh, uh, many international companies who, who are our clients or who were our clients in the past. We've, we've done work for some of the leading Ukrainian clients abroad and, and, and so far so good. So we're very proud and, and of, of, of our, uh, of our uh, projects and, and, and whatever we have been able to implement and carry out uh, during this period of time. Thank you. Actually, I heard so many things that I want to ask about, but I want to focus on something that I'm very curious about. Many people say, if you partner up for business with people who are your friends, you will eventually lose that friendship. And another thing, one of my favorite books is In Search of Cool, which is a scientific study of what happens in the brain when people see things that are cool in order to try to define what it is. And one of the chapters talks about that the primordial, most difficult, most crucial question in being a human or a mammal or an animal is knowing who to trust because throughout evolution, if you trusted the wrong person, you died. So it was like an existential kind of thing. So to make it into a simpler question, how do you know who to trust and partner up with? Do you have certain criterias or a gut check or like I know Dan Kennedy, I don't know whether you know him, but he says if to partner up with someone, I will tell them, bring me three other people who partnered up with you before and who will vouch that they will partner with you again. Then and only then I will trust to partner with you. I know you studied with them. You said that. Well, two things. Do you believe those people who say that partner up with your friends can eventually destroy the relationship? And do you have certain criteria or things you look for in order to partner up with people that the listeners can learn from and therefore form better partnerships like obviously you have in the future? Well, these are very good questions. And I uh, naturally understand why the friendship can be lost when you start up a business with your friend. Uh, and it's always better to keep it separate. In, in my case, the people who I have built business together, we've known each other, but we were never friends. So it was pretty much the business which have uh, united us together and we become friends as we went uh, forward as we developed the business so and it makes it a difference um, but I, I I know many cases where uh, people being friends and and they started doing something together and then that relationship would uh, fall apart for many different reasons and of course a lot of friendships would be lost um, so so we see it but in, speaking of trust generally uh, it, it is a very good question because uh, and, and how do you deal with that? And um, I, I used to have a mentor, uh, and uh, he passed away uh, several years ago. His name is Dr. Bogdan Havrilishan. 
Uh, he was a famous uh, Canadian of Ukrainian background who came to Switzerland about 50 years ago. And uh, he joined uh, a business school there, uh, which is currently called uh, IMI, which is now called, called IMD, uh, which one of the best, best business schools in, in, in Switzerland. But as a Ukrainian, um, he came here in the early 90s and he tried to help Ukraine change. Um, he, he, by the way, he was one of those who founded World Economic Forum uh, over 50 years ago, because it was the 25th University of the Business School, uh, which uh, o- organized an economic forum, which was part part of the ways how to celebrate the the, the business school, and um, uh, which later on was and Klaus Schwab was one of those who did that for the business school, and later on next year he decided to do it on his own. But anyways, coming back to my mentor, Dr. Vodan Havrelation, he, he we talked a lot about trust with him, and his approach to trust is the following. He, he said, look, I'm inclined to trust anybody and I give my trust in anybody who I met uh, until that that person proves to be wrong, basically, until he understands that that trust that was given up front didn't last or actually uh, that that relationship has uh, failed, right? And I think it's 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 very good uh, philosophical question because we, we have plenty of other prejudices, right? And these prejudices can can influence our decision making process, right? And and they can come from 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 different backgrounds or for different experience we've had in the past or anything. Nevertheless, we we don't really know who we deal with until we actually try doing something together. And this is extremely important to keep this in mind and basically take it into account in our relationships. So I like this philosophy of of. Um, uh, of trusting first and trusting as long as that person uh, proves not to be trustworthy. I love that. It reminds me of, you know, Stephen Covey's, his son, Mm -hmm. oldest son, wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And in it, he says, trust, but verify. And what he says about is when you trust people first, until they break that trust later, you will benefit because you will speed up so many things that will lead you to the success and life you want. Because in reality, most people will tend to be trustworthy. But if you begin by skepticism, people will respond by mistrust and therefore everything will stop. And that the uh, thing that will make it happen smoothly is to speed of trust or trust in fast, like you said, until people prove you wrong. And I have to ask now, of course, you began with communication and then you specialized more into crisis management and crisis PR and communication. And I believe uh, that the rules for normal PR and communication and during crisis are different. It's not the same beast. And that is why most people will make mistakes when they try to behave in a normal Uh, paradigm when there is a crisis. To ask you more, to elucidate on this point, what is to you first the thing that helped you or encouraged you to specialize in more of the crisis kind of communication? And what difference is it there between normal communication and PR and the crisis management type? Oh well, uh, it's 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 pretty straightforward to be frank. It all went down to the first client, uh, first ma- major client, which which had the crisis situation and which required 
uh, a totally different approach to communications. And uh, we and that was an international investor who invested in a, in a big company in Ukraine. And there was another shareholder in that company. And there was a major corporate standoff between the two, two shareholders. And we were uh, working with uh, an international investor who basically represented a state-owned enterprise from a Western democracy. Uh, and uh, the rights of that investor were violated. And the crisis situation there was that actually, they, they, though they had the majority in the company, they couldn't control the company. And the other party was exercising the pressure uh, that they could use by uh, suing our client in the Ukrainian courts, who, as you know, cannot be trusted. And that pressure was extremely strong, and the risks that the company faced here were enormous, taking into account the amount of money which was invested in this big telecom company. So in our case, we had actually a mandate of when we had to react quickly to the developments here. And that required a very close coordination of, of our work with uh, law firms, as well as required some some quick reaction to anything which was going on in, in, in the public uh, domain because uh, the company could not really protect its interest in Ukraine just by following legal avenues uh, in such countries as Ukraine. Uh, legally, often you cannot protect your interests. And the only way how you can protect yourself is actually when you go into the public domain and when you, when you actually have efficient media communications when you can do the government outreach, when you can also do the outreach to the international stakeholders, and we, when you can draw attention to the issue which is down there. So it was pretty much that experience, and that was a case for the last two years. It was, not, I mean, it was a long uh, standoff, and it was one of the biggest standoffs uh, in this part of the world. Uh, and uh, we, we actually, because of that, we managed to uh, gain the knowledge and, 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 and specific actual experience, which we could then replicate and also use to some of our clients in the future. And, and this is how we could pitch our services because uh, often it's not a very straightforward issue. Each case is different, but it requires um, a certain type of thinking, right? Um, and, and, and kind of more of a creative mind, but at the same time, it requires a lot of courage because in the crisis situation, you need to act. And it's very important when you deal with a client that you deal with a decision maker who is not afraid of making a step forward, who's not afraid of, of taking a decision. Because what happens in crisis, the worst thing is actually when nothing happens and there is no action, when action is required. And uh, often, for instance, when there is um, a crisis situation, you cannot be silent too long. It's important to, to go out there and communicate immediately, no matter, uh, you know, by, by just buying more time doesn't mean that the situation is going to become more favorable. Actually, uh, the longer you are silent, uh, the, the, the more severe the crisis can become. And uh, often in the crisis communications, you need to actually, uh, once there is a situation, you need to roll out a whole press conference next day and this is when you can have your team working overnight, basically preparing press releases, contacting media, and actually going out next day and doing a press conference and, and, and actually addressing the issues, suppressing issues which are out there. Uh, so it makes it different from, a, from sort of conventional public relations, 
uh, because it, it, it's much shorter in time and it's much more intensive. Uh, there is lots of pressure um, and there is also lots of coordination with legal teams in such, such circumstances. Thank you. What I'm hearing, and please correct me if this is wrong, that the way your approach is, is you're an empiricist because the way you learned how to do crisis management right was through the experience with your first client and that you handle pressure well or even thrive under pressure because these are crises, high pressure, high stress situations. As well as you spoke about courage, which is also, and creativity, which all are criterias of someone entrepreneurial in your spirit are you you said of course that you began that with your um, partners and entrepreneurial venture but someone with your background we would expect to be more of a corporate kind of person did you find that there is a dichotomy in your personality that you can handle well being in a corporate environment but your spirit and true desire is the entrepreneurial independent path and what is your approach? Is it empiricist or is it a mix? Or how do you approach learning, improvement, and action? I, I don't fit into a totally corporate um, uh, environment. Though my clients are corporate clients and they, they, they represent some of the major multinationals. However, I could hardly imagine myself working in this environment as in-house. Because when you are an outsider, you still keep the distance, right? Though you provide advice or you can do some engagement on behalf of your client, but at the same time, you, you, you are distant. Plus, what I like about the consultancy as a business is that uh, it's, it's diversity because uh, I have clients in different um, sectors. So I can do some work in oil and gas. I can do some work in uh, agro-sector. Then I'm in banking. Then there is also something in the IT and transport. So the, 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 the fields and sectors where I'm exposed to work are so different. Therefore, it's never boring, right? It's never like when you work for one company, one client, and you're in-house, you kind of like stuck there and you don't really have an opportunity to grow and develop. Whereas every time I pick up a new client, it's always a, a steep learning curve, which makes me study and makes me do the research and get prepared for the work for that client. Also, uh, what I have by running my own business is actually the freedom of your time. Uh, and, uh, and since we, we are not a big outfit, uh, it, it, it actually makes it very fluid and flexible. Uh, more so, uh, my business partners, we have all invested in different other companies. Um, and uh, we, we've, we've had some experience of investing into the startups. Um, some of those startups have failed. Actually, most of them have failed. Uh, but some are still around, and, and, and there are some which are really very promising. So apart from our core business in consultancy, each one of us is also pursuing an entrepreneurial track when we are actually founding other companies in certain sectors raising capital and developing those businesses, right? And I think this is a freedom of creativity and freedom and entrepreneurship, which you get by having this kind of environment that I have uh, at my firm. Thank you. And yes, I tend to ask a lot of questions because everything you say triggers in me so many ideas, but I will focus on one very specific thing that I don't know whether it's different in the corporate environment, 
but specifically to marketing consultants to small and medium-sized businesses. If you're a consultant, there is a problem that the real numbers, the real data, they don't trust you with because they think, well, you are here today. If my competitor hires you tomorrow, you will go and reveal my secrets. While if you have some kind of exclusivity or a retainer model where, yes, you're a consultant, but you are tied to that company for a longer haul, they will open up the books and show you more of the truth that will allow you to be a lot more effective. I don't know whether this applies in a corporate environment, but did you sense it to be an issue? And how did you deal with it? For example, maybe you have really long-term clients and therefore they trust you with all the things that will give you the information to handle properly the crisis. Or in a corporate world, they will give you the information you need. It's on a need-to-know basis. You don't need to know more. Can you please comment? Well, it depends, actually. Uh, so we, I have some of the anchor clients who've been with us for a while now, and we, we have all the confidentiality agreements. And, uh, I, and, and based on those agreements, I cannot work with, for their competitors at the same time. So there is a conflict of interest. And because we've had this relationship for a long time, uh, they trust and actually reveal uh, all the information they have because uh, the trust has been built now for several years. And, and we are there to assist and help them, and, and, and they rely on our guidance in, in the situations. However, I've had different other cases in the past when there is, for instance, a crisis communications issue, and there is a company, and they just need our services for two or three months. So it's, it's like a short-term project. Uh, there is one situation there. They want us to fix it. They want us to help them fix it. So we get in. We roll out our operation. We all know that it's going to be short-term. Uh, but we are there to help. Uh, we just, we do it. It's like an, um, basically if it could be compared to an intensive care unit. Uh, so we, we, we provide help and, uh, and the patient survives. Uh, and, and then they can deal with the rest on their own, right? So that's, that's kind of an approach. And in this particular case, usually we only get the information relevant to the case or the situation they're in. And we are not, Privy to any other uh, information, which 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 is totally corporate or can be more confidential. So uh, it's it's usually it's it's like that. Thank you. And I'm really curious. How do you approach and think about the human mind and communication and mass communication or public relations? If there is anything, I'm thinking about Edward Bernays who literally or basically invented the field of public relations. And he was the nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud. And he was truly using what Freud was about in order to shape and sculpt, if there is a way to say it, public opinion and deal with public relations. And he was an innovator in this way. But to you, how do you visualize or modelize, if I might say, the human mind, the communication process that allows you to be effective? Uh, At the end of the day, uh, we people, humans, we are all uh, social animals. So we need interaction and we need socialization. And by the way, as we are now seeing the implications of the COVID pandemic, uh, we see how many people actually are suffering and have some mental issues 
and they need uh, help. And a lot of that was caused by their isolation and because and lack of social interaction. Uh, so we as human beings, we need uh, this interaction in order to survive. And it pretty much applies to the communication, right? At the end of the day, in the corporate world, the role of communication has become much more important because it's the matter of the reputation. And the reputation is an intangible asset which each company has. And uh, we, we, we've seen cases how the reputation can be ruined in one day and how can one big corporation go uh, down, um, uh, you know, can be destroyed uh, because of their actions which have an impact on how they are being perceived by the outside world. So a reputation is something which needs to be guarded and which needs to be protected. Uh, therefore, uh, each uh, company has to communicate and to communicate about what they do, communicate about the product, communicate to their um, uh, employees, communicate that to their external stakeholders, to the environment, to the community, uh, to the government with which they are uh, dealing with, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, it all boils down to different kinds of communications which any corporate entity has to engage into in order to um, maximize its profits uh, for the shareholders at the same time in order to have a positive impact on the environment where they are operating, uh, paying back to the community where they are, dealing with environmental, social, uh, or um, governance issues, right? Uh, and we come down to this popular uh, ESG standards, uh, which are now uh, have been adopted by most of the Western world and are now being adopted in the developing countries as well. Thank you. It reminds me of Warren Buffett's quote that it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. And so my understanding even more that when you spoke about companies and that they need to communicate with stakeholders, it's the opposite of isolation. So in a way, it's a human model of uh, corporates or of businesses or of legal entities whereby not being isolated by communicating and receiving feedback from the stakeholders, everyone, like you said, can maximize profit, which allows them to have a positive impact as well as on the environment and increase the taxes by increasing profits and revenue, which is beneficial for everyone. And a whole totally different question is about Ukraine. You could live anywhere, whether like you mentioned, Switzerland or London or Canada, but you chose to be located in Ukraine. Why? And what is there that makes it, makes it so meaningful and special, which might help us understand the reasons why great people like you stay which might help attract back the brain drain that left Ukraine so that they return and build their country with their efforts? Well, that's a very good question, and I am very thankful for that. And look, uh, I think it's pretty simple. In my particular case, I see lots of opportunities uh, here. And uh, Ukraine is an emerging economy, and it's very vibrant, and it's changing very quickly. And this is a, a country where I can have an impact. And, uh, uh, and, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm interested in pursuing a political career in the future. 
and uh, that that is only possible here there it's it's hardly possible if i for instance if i decided to emigrate to the uk or canada or the us pursuing a political career there would be almost impossible as a, as being an immigrant there so being in my native country uh, gives uh, more opportunities and opens many doors and i just feel good here i i of course there are plenty of obstacles there are plenty of pitfalls often we get disillusioned or disappointed but at the end of the day it's 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 seeing actually country change it is what gives me kicks it's what motivates me uh, and it this is where i see a positive light at the end of the tunnel and this is what drives me and fills me with energy to actually keep going right um, keep helping ngos or set up another ngo you know do some some do something on the side of business create more jobs and and just help the country and and this this is a combination of these different animals uh, which which really uh, you know there is no other country where i would like to live except for ukraine and uh, kiev in that matter is 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 a modern developed european city of course i i enjoy traveling and 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 maybe i'm more privileged than most of other folks uh, here because i most usually uh, before covid i could travel abroad pretty much every month now it's a little bit more difficult uh, but still uh, and maybe that that makes my case uh, kind of unique or different from others uh, but, but i'm not the only one i mean in kiki has many people like me here uh, who have international experience who studied abroad who have international clients who are pretty mobile and 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 cosmopolitan in this respect but at the same time they stay here they make money here they haven't make an impact here doing volunteer work fundraising or um, doing any kind of community work and and staying responsible citizens thank you and i love that you have ambitions to impact the society and your country in a more political way and i i think that your competence and your ability will bring a lot to the table so i view that as a very positive involvement can you finish with just maybe a summary of what you do at your business again or a reiteration with like the website or links if people want to learn more and to connect with you personally uh, sure um so my name is Vasil Mrotchenko I'm an equity partner with CFC Big Ideas which is a public relations public affairs company in Ukraine we work with multinational corporations uh, we help them design communication strategies uh, dealing crisis communications issues uh, investor relations financial communications uh, we've also done um, many international projects which were aimed at improving Ukraine's image abroad and we've done it as a company we've done it in partnership with other NGOs and 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 other partners and friends and um I would be more than more than happy to give you a hand and help you to navigate uh, uh in Kiev uh and uh, welcome to Ukraine come over and I see open open the country for yourselves uh seize the opportunities and there are plenty here and uh i believe once you come you will fall in love and you will you will stay here for longer thank you so much i wish you a brilliant day this was really really valuable and great thank you very much abdulaziz 